With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This summer, don't just watch soccer. Play in the DraftKings Real Shot Challenge presented by Jägermeister. The rules of the game are simple. Just pick winners. At the end of the tournament, the five top point-getters in each nation's leaderboard walk home with a national team jersey and a Jägermeister jacket. All entries are automatically entered into an overall leaderboard where the prizes are even more lucrative, like the ultimate fan experience, an all-expenses-paid trip to the winning team's country to celebrate sweet, sweet victory like a local. Enjoy a VIP soccer experience, including game tickets, transportation, and swag, plus extra cash so you can roll like a meister. You don't need cash to enter. It's free. So what are you waiting for? Head to DraftKings.com slash RealShot to adopt your team, get in the game, and win exclusive prizes. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash RealShot for details. Hi, I'm Grant Wall, and welcome to the Planet Football Podcast World Cup Daily. Day one of World Cup 2018 is in the books. Russia 5, Saudi Arabia 0. Brian Strauss and I will be talking about that and other topics today as part of our podcast coming to you daily from Russia through July 16th. Just a small request, it would be a huge help if you subscribe, rate, and review our podcast. It helps people find us. In this episode, I'm also joined by German World Cup winner and Fox Sports studio analyst Lothar Mateus, who discusses a number of topics, including who he thinks should be Germany's starting 11. Onward! Welcome to Moscow. Grant Wall and Brian Strauss here in the same hotel room on day one of the World Cup. It finally started today, Brian. Russia 5, Saudi Arabia 0. You were at the game, my friend. What do you think? Um, still trying to take it all in. Didn't we just do this? That's a daily podcast. <laughs> yes. Um, it was. Uh, it was a. It was cathartic. It was a. It was a. A, a national, I think, sigh of relief um, that this team. And again, Saudi Arabia was awful. Bad, bad, bad. This was not in any way a team. I know. I know they qualified fairly and squarely, and other countries did not. But. Um, <laughs> They were they were really bad, and and certainly not a team that um, you know belongs in a World Cup. Other, they qualified other than, ahead of Australia, by the way. Yeah, yeah, they were they were just awful. Do you remember that? Uh, remember that sort of what happens if if something gets memed? Is it memeified? I don't know, but like there was that memeified memed uh, moment where Messi sort of turned Jerome Boateng into a into a tree. Yes, that was the entire Saudi Arabian like back six today. Um, just stiff and clueless, um, and torn apart uh, by a 22-year-old uh, playmaker, um, uh, Alexander Golovin, who plays for Tsetska Moscow. He's good. Um, yeah, he just had him on a string today, and he was effervescent and awesome. Um, involved in four of the five goals, including uh, the the final one, which was uh, his own free kick. He tore them apart. Um, Best player and, on the uh, field on the field by far, and he was not yeah. given man of the match. He was not man of the match. They gave it to the uh, uh, 
uh, Cherishev, the guy who scored a couple goals to substitute, and that's fine. But um, uh, the fact that they were they were so bright early, um, and here's a kid who there's been a lot of talk, there's been a lot of concern um, with the Moscow Times front page, you know, doomed to fail. Yes. yes. Um, and uh, Golovin just didn't he didn't care. I mean, it was you know. Uh, it was it was it was Donovan and Beasley in Korea, you know, just a young guy who doesn't know better, who doesn't feel the pressure. Um, you know, Putin's in the stands. There's eighty thousand people there, and uh, he he had Saudi Arabia on the back foot for minute one, and it was it was it was cool to watch. Um, so uh, you know, a little opening ceremony, a little song and dance. Uh, they had a cool firebird come out, um, like a big puppet. I don't know. It was neat. <laughs> Um, you know, the media center sucked and like, you know, there were a lot of, a lot of logistical problems with, you know, it's the first world cup game. So, you know, internet was garbage and, you know, they had one drink vending machine for a thousand journalists. I mean, you know, stupid crap like that, that kind of, you know, gets under your skin a little bit, but then you get out into the bowl and, 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 you know, you feel the energy and hear the anthems. And then you see, you see this, uh, this player that you're not, I'm not familiar with. I don't watch the Russian premier league. So um, you know, really just take over a game of this magnitude. It was it was really cool. You know, BN Sports has the Russian Premier League. Really? Yeah. BN Sports has a lot of stuff you probably don't know about. Why do well I'm gonna Comcast won't put BN Sport on high def. <laughs> <laughs> so other than other than uh La Liga on mute, um I uh don't watch a ton of BN Sport. I didn't realize I don't I don't know that I what a weird tangent. I don't, uh, yeah, sorry I don't watch Russian let's, Premier League. Let, let, let's bring yes. it back to the task at hand here, which is Russia's in pretty good shape now. Yes. And, I, and as Denny Green might say, I don't want to crown their ass quite yet, but three points was key for them today in a group that also has Uruguay um, and Egypt. It's funny you mentioned crown because one of the questions posed to um, uh, Russian coach uh, Stanislav Cherchesov was, you know, do you have to take the crown off your players' heads now? You know, or basically, is your team gonna gonna act like it? You know, did he Denny Green them and say, uh, "Let's not crown their yeah, ass"? No, yet he, in he said, I, "No." I mean, he, he just said, "Look, we're just going back to work." You know, I mean, we got a good result. We're going back to work. He's very even keeled. He's gotten praise here in Russia uh, in, in the midst of all the criticism his team's been under for for you know not 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 blowing smoke up people's asses. He's not telling anyone they're going to win the World Cup, but he's he's. He's saying we're we're working hard, you know, and we've been and then he said today, we've been building toward this moment. You know, criticism of us, you know, they hadn't won a game in eight months, man. Yeah. Eight months. And 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 but they weren't playing for those games. They were playing for today. Um and it just so happened that they played a junior varsity team. Um and so it's perfect for them. Uh, he, he had another interesting comment this week where he said, like in a weightlifting competition, you don't start with the heaviest weight. Right, you start with a with a manageable weight, and you sort of build up. And I'm going to take his word for it because I have never watched nor participated in a heavy uh, in a weightlifting competition because I'm a small person. I was hoping he would make a like a metaphor about Sergei Bubka and the pole vault, but he chose weightlifting. He should have gone that way. Yeah, he totally should have gone that way. Um, but uh, you know, so so this this is a what an opportunity for them to get some traction, to get some confidence. Yeah. You know, to, to, to walk out, feel like world beaters, um, hear the roar of the crowd, feel like they're, 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 they can put some things together, feel like they've got some players who, like I said, are willing, you know, watching Golovin just take guys on and, 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 and try moves and, you know, roll the ball under his foot and spin. And, you know, he just had ultimate confidence. And, and um, you know, having that paid back in the way, in the manner it was, now gives them a little bit of a spring in their step. 
uh, going against what I think what we'd all agree is is for them the game of the tournament, right? I mean, it's pretty clear that that uh, you got to think Uruguay is going to get one of the two spots, and the other one's going to go to the winner of uh, of, uh, of Russia, Egypt, Russia. Egypt. Yeah, right? I mean, and you know, Egypt is yet to play yet. Obviously, they're going to be playing against Uruguay, um, but if Russia can can beat Egypt. You know, they might be in. They yeah. prob- they probably will be in. Yeah, you will. You win two games. You know? definitely. And and so that's why I'm a little surprised here that Mohamed Salah is uh, he's going to play against Uruguay. Uh, I did not think he would play in that game. I thought that they would keep him out until he totally healed. Um, and the, the two, the second and the third games for Egypt are the decisive ones. But then today, Hector Cooper, the Egypt coach, comes out and says. Mohamed Salah will play against Uruguay. And I, that doesn't mean he's going to start, but at the same time, I, I think it's a little risky. Part of me is like excited, pleasantly surprised he's going to play, but part of me thinks this is a big risk. Probably, yeah. I want to share... Um, I'm sorry, I've got my mind on, on the Russia game still. Um, yeah, let's stay there. Yeah, I've got uh, two fun moments from the press conference. I know I said in one of the other podcasts, how many have we done now? Three, four? Ten. Ten. <laughs> um, uh, I feel like I'm living in this chair. Um, uh, Pizzi, like like one of the first couple questions to Pizzi um, was basically like, are you going to get fired tomorrow? Which was pretty awesome. That was just like a bold. I don't know. I like in-tournament coach firings at the World Cup. Yeah, it's so usually done by it, countries it, like it Saudi fra- Arabia. It was, well, it was phrased in a way like, you know, Saudi Arabia. Well, how'd the guy put it? Like Saudi Arabia is is known for not, you know, being patient <laughs> with this sort of result. Um <laughs> But I mean, like the, the 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 love child of Alex Ferguson and Vince Lombardi would not have coached that team to a better result. I mean, they were not good. Um, and then the second, which forced me to like scrap the entire top half of the column I was writing, but um, I think Avi was cool with that. Was Vladimir Putin called during the press conference? <laughs> like he flat out called the coach during the press conference, which was just. I guess like when you're a like a quasi dictator, you can kind of interrupt the World Cup press conference. But Cherishev, so Cherishev was the man in the match. <laughs> Whether he deserved it or not, another his goal, his goal, the fourth goal. Now, granted, it's the 91st minute of a Great game goal. at that point. That was three nothing. But but you know, there are rules about cheering in the press box are generally not observed in most places in the world, True. Um, and and certainly not you know observed at the home game of a World Cup post. But I I, I kind of let out a little yelp. You did? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, no cheering like, in the when, press like, box, when that, man. When that, you know, curled that with the outside of his left foot, um, yeah, I, had a, I squeaked a little bit. Wow. <laughs> it was a great goal. Yeah. Um, so uh, Cherishev, I guess, asked a question. He's sitting there answering, and, and literally while he's talking, his coach next to him just get up and picks up his phone and walks out. And I've done a lot of these things, and I've never – I mean, I've seen people get frustrated in press conferences, and I've seen people get up and and obviously having had their having had their fill sort of leave the room. But this was like like the dude left like something was on fire, you know? And he comes back, and that was the head of state. <laughs> <laughs> you can't say Putin? Is, it was that, is that not allowed? It was amazing. So anyway, I'm like, oh, man, this is pretty good. So, yeah, I, I scrapped my whole lead. I don't even remember what it was about. Um, so, you know, it was a bit later on my story than I would have liked, but I figured that was a pretty awesome moment. Um, my favorite moment in an Eastern European press conference was Euro 2012 when the Ukraine coach uh, 
challenged a Ukrainian journalist to, to take it outside uh, during a press conference. The answer to that question is always yes. 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 We need you, more of that. Yes. Now, Miguel Herrera got fired a few years ago in Mexico for punching out because he did not, Mexican he, he did not I don't think he issued a proper challenge. You need to do like the white glove slap, you know, and, and, and make it make it official sort of the, the Hamilton Burr kind of like <laughs> agreement that this is going to go down. I like the way the Ukrainian guys did it. That's good. But I mean, that's look, I mean, you, you, you know, there's not, there's not, you're sitting in the stands watching the game. I'm watching the same game. Everyone, all of you are, are watching, um, maybe even less. We don't get replays. You know, I, 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 you, you see it live, you blink, you miss it. Um, there are things that you guys speaking to listeners that you guys hear and, and, and from the broadcast and, that stuff that's related to the announcers and stuff you see on replay that that we don't we don't see up in the stands. Um, you know, if you ever think, you know, if you ever, I remember last year in the opener. Uh, oh, that looked like a penalty to me. Oh, in 2014. Yeah, and I didn't realize that like the entire world, like I saw it one time live quickly from you know 200 yards away, and it looked like a, a legit call. Meanwhile, like everyone's freaking out and blaming the ref and like the whole world's burning down. So this is why VAR now exists. Well, but, but I'm just saying that that sometimes actually being in the stadium, you miss out on on some things. On the other hand, you you again, you feel the energy, you hear the anthem, you see the full field, you see Golovin off the ball hit that the first goal for me was so telling because he he, he played it to Zhirkov and then made himself available again. And it showed such a level of confidence and awareness. I mean, Jerkov's a, a, you know, he's like 72 years old. Old like, as the he, hills. He's been around forever. Yeah. And Golovin's like, give it to me. I, I see a play here. I see something developing. And so you catch that stuff while you're in the stadium. And then, like, friggin' Putin calls. Like, like that's, that's, you know, there's a couple dozen people in the press conference who got to experience that and then share that moment and 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 that was cool so that's why you come you, you come for those moments and and um you know so i haven't eaten eight eight hours big deal i did give you some yogurt when you came to my hotel room i had some yogurt it's not solid food but it was tasty um so let's shift a little bit to antoine griezmann uh who just tonight had his, his own apparently. nba fan antoine griezmann uh had his own version of lebron's the decision this has happened by the way in every world cup what our our World Cups coincide with? Oh, LeBron's the decision. This shit. In 2010, I wasn't I wasn't working with you at the time, but but the, the decision was like right. It like bumped the World Cup off the front pages for a while. The, the World Cup winner has not been on the cover of Sports Illustrated magazine in 2010 or in 2014 because it was the same week. Yeah. It was the same week in both years that LeBron decided to move to a different team. And that was the cover of Sports Illustrated. So I do beseech LeBron James, four years later, let some soccer team be on the cover of <laughs> wait, Sports wait Illustrated. Wait till the end of winning, July, please. For winning the World Cup final. Yes. Um, though I, I fear that it's going to happen again. Um, so Antoine Griezmann just announces tonight in this ludicrous uh, staged event that he's going to stay at Atletico Madrid was and not go to Barcelona. I mean, I was at the stadium, so I, I had think no it idea. was recorded. Okay, um, but it's so dumb, and I'm really getting tired actually of the club game taking precedence over the World Cup during a World Cup. during the World Cup. Yeah. I mean, it's absolutely insane. I love the club game; it is the most important thing year round. But the World Cup comes around once every four years, and I'm starting to get really annoyed that 
Griezmann's club decision is even being talked about right now. I'm getting annoyed that Julian Lopetegui is announced as the new Real Madrid coach right before the World Cup, has a press conference tonight with Real Madrid saying, my saddest day of my life after my mother passing away was yesterday and the happiest day is today. We talk about Real Madrid year-round, Brian, and I'm really annoyed to be talking about Real Madrid today. And yet we're still talking about Real Madrid. And Atletico Madrid and Antoine Griezmann. And it's just like, come on. There's, there's, it it is the fault. I mean, God, I I can't believe I'm about to to do the the paint, the broad, the media brush because that's so asinine. But, you know, because obviously not every reporter does this, et cetera, et cetera. Disclaimer, disclaimer. But these guys get asked about their club situations all the time. The media feeds it. The media you know, will be at a, at a World Cup event, at a national team event, at a friendly, at a qualifier or whatever. And if a guy sticks his neck out, he's going to get asked about his club situation. It does happen. Um, I, how many times was, you know, I, I covered only, no, I didn't cover any of them, did I? I, I, in, an al, I in an alternate universe just now, I went to Chester for that Bolivia game, but then I realized, no, I was doing World Cup stuff. I did not go. But, uh, you know, I would imagine, you know, Pulisic did some media tours and I was imagine he was asked about, you know, Dortmund and Liverpool and other rumors, and it's just it's just the way the club game is this relentless blob, and it just feasts on everything, and and it gets fed, and it gets fed um, by us as much as it gets fed by by people like Lopetegui and 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 Griezmann. Who, yeah, that's ridiculous. I didn't realize he was doing a TV special. Yeah, yeah, maybe it was digital. I don't know, but like, it's kind of he's kind of, sounds like kind of a tool to be honest. I picked him to win the Golden Boot, by the way. I think. Yeah. So. Oh, well. well, now that he's got that out of his mind, maybe he'll go do it and make me look smart accidentally. You know what was actually fun tonight for me was um, we've been doing the Fox World Cup Tonight show that I'm on most nights. Uh, we taped our first full one tonight, and uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic was on set. And I've actually never – have I seen him in the flesh before? I don't think I have. You've I, never seen him play? I've never seen him live. Oh, wow. Okay. Like in person. Um, so that was he was he was nice. Came on, uh, shilled for this his sponsor quite a bit. Um, was he on the Was he on the the set? Was he sitting with you guys? Yeah, that's cool. Um, Did he say anything of of substance? I guess I guess I could go like watch a tape. Yeah, of the I show, think the show but, will be on later tonight on uh-huh. on Fox. But um, uh, he wants Sweden to do well. That that was very clear. Um, Clarence Seedorf was on set tonight on the show. Um, He's won like a billion Champions Leagues. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, you know, a really good dude. I, I told him I'd interviewed him back in Baltimore in 09. And he was like, oh, yeah. He remembered like the Marriott Hotel in Baltimore. It was... Must be a Marriott man. Apparently getting the yeah, point. just like all of us. Um, he's coaching uh, in Spain now. That's cool. Uh, so we talked a little bit about that. Um, I saw Ryan Giggs at the media center. That's cool. I mean, like, I love... He's just kind of chilling out. Um talking to a couple people but it's like these guys can there's probably not many soccer events these guys can go to where they can sort of remain relatively unmolested um so um i mean it's probably worth saying right now it's it's fun to see these big figures here but literally we were taking the elevator up to my hotel room at, at my hotel here to do the podcast right now and arson wenger had a chance to be in the elevator with you and me and decided not Declined. to get, and decided not to get in with us. He was going to wait. Well, the thing is about this is that so there's an elevator bank of two or three elevators, and Grant and I walk, turn the corner, and walk over there, 
and it's just Wenger. Like, it's just him. There's no one else there. And so the three of us are standing there, and he definitely... <laughs> he saw me looking at him. Us. He saw that I registered that he was standing there, and right. I think he made a quick calculation of, I don't want to share so, an elevator with these guys. So the elevator door opens, and, and it's his turn. I mean, he was wait, He was there. <laughs> he turned it down, Before baby. us. And he's like, now nah, I'll get the next one. And there was room. He's a very tall man. Very tall. Right. And and you're pretty tall, and I'm extremely he's not lot, tall. He's a lot taller than me. There was, there was room for all three of us. Now, keep in mind, these elevators are like, if, 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 if an elevator, if Versailles had elevators and that elevator had a baby with an elevator in Trump Tower, it would be the elevator in this. The elevator has a friggin' chandelier, chandelier. in it. Chandelier, yeah. Um, and there's a lot of gold and a lot of nonsense going on. And uh, we could have, we could have shared that experience with Arsene Wenger and he wanted no part of it. And one of us could have asked him, have you interviewed with U.S. Soccer? Have you talked to those guys? But we couldn't because he decided not to get in the elevator with us. Yep. Journalism, it's, it's such a, it's such a, it's ephemeral. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's, so much luck involved. The hotel situation here is pretty cool. Now, I've never stayed in a hotel this nice before. Not even close. I'm, I'm on the Fox gravy train here, and I appreciate that. Uh, Sports Illustrated chipping in as well. Um, but like in the lobby tonight before we got negged by Wenger, um, it was like, or not the lobby, but like in the bar area yeah. was like Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer. And you're just like, holy smokes, this is fun. It is, but you can't, but at the same time, you got to act. That was the thing. It's like, I, I walked by Ryan Giggs and he looked at, he of course doesn't know who I am, but still, I mean, I walked close enough to him where he looked at me simply because I was another like Human? man animal walking near him. And I, you just have to play it cool. Like that's the problem is that the only, the only way this works, you ruin it for everybody if you fanboy like, not even fanboy like you try you know hand him a card ask him a question yeah. see if you can do an interview no i mean i would never fanboy but there's a temptation to be like wow if i could get like five minutes with ryan right. Giggs, you know someone might click on that you know but but you can't because if you so in 2010 at my first world cup um i may have told this story in our drunken world cup stories podcast so if it's a repeat i apologize um i am neither drunk tonight i am not drunk tonight nor am I bleeding tonight. Good. So Good I, am, I am starving. Um, but uh, so it's my first World Cup. I'm overwhelmed. I'm fired up. You know, all the emotions. And I see David Moyes in the media center. And back then, you know, I did not fit. God, fanboy is like, I, I whatever. I, I wanted to impress. I wanted to get David Moyes on the record. Like I, I fanboyed in a professional way. Like I wanted to talk to him. Landon Donovan had just had just finished up his first loan spell with Everton and done great. And of course, Tim Howard was there, and 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 the U.S. was doing well at the World Cup. And it just seemed like this would be perfect to get David Moyes to talk about, you know, Landon and and Howard and the U. And he basically he was so kind and so gentlemanly, and he just said, "Look, essentially, if I give you an interview, everybody will see it, and it will be like friggin' piranhas. Like I I just can't." Because if I say yes to you, I've got to bring enough gum for everybody, you know. And he shook my hand, and it was the nicest, like, go pound sand I've ever experienced <laughs> in my life. Um, so I've always respected David Moyes for that. But, yeah, but since, essentially this the same time, though, since then, there's no, no way I'm going to – I'm sorry, Avi. I'm sorry, Ryan. I'm, I'm just not going to, like, in a, in a media room full of 500 journalists, yeah. going to, like, try to corner Ryan Giggs. It's just not going to happen. No, I hear it. Did you know that David Moyes owns a home in Naples, Florida? No. 
That's the one thing I learned from, I kind of accosted him at Euro 2012 future, in a similar situation. Future Miami MLS manager. Although, forgive me, I don't. I have no idea. If, I, I apparently made a geography mistake last night, and uh, I, maybe I've just made another one. For all I know, Naples is 200 miles from Miami. I it no is idea. a ways. It okay. is a ways. Other coast. Um, but it is cool, and I would say like, I've seen Wenger in previous World Cups and Euros. Yeah, he hangs around. He, he kind of just goes to games. I mean, he may do a little TV, but like he's mostly a fan, and I respect that. I mean, he likes seeing good soccer, and he knows he's going to be accosted by fans especially. I remember seeing him at the World Cup final in 2010, and he was surrounded by Arsenal people, like fans and stuff, and he was just trying to get to the media area and walking really fast. Speaking of surrounded by fans, we should probably, I guess we've got to wrap this up, but so I, I, when I was coming back from the stadium um, on the way to meet you and, and stalk Arson, um, I was walking down Nikolskaya again, um, kind of street. checking out the scene. Yeah, the street right outside where, where the, uh, the brouhaha goes down. And there was a, there was a, a, a moment when I was interviewing Chicharito for the, for the Mexico story that everybody hated. Um, <laughs> where I was just kind of saying something. We were kind of joking about the Mexican fans hanging outside the hotel and just 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 the the sheer the 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 number and the and the intensity um, and and the way they sort of they're, they're always there. They always show up. And Chicharito just goes, "There are Mexicans on Mars. There we're everywhere." I just thought that was a funny quote. He's right, man. Like. The Me- so far, now granted, I you know Germany's not gotten here, France, you know uh, Poland. I mean, there are going to be tons of right and tons of poles. You imagine it's right next door, but easily, easily the most the the most well represented fan base that I've seen at the stadium today on Nikolskaya around the city, Mexico. They've there, always there traveled are well. Tons of them, and it the is Mexicans, it is remarkable. The Mexicans always travel well, and whenever you see those lists that say. People from the United States bought more World Cup tickets than anybody favorite. but the host country. Read the story, yep. It's Mexico fans yeah. from the United States that make up a huge percentage of that. And that's just something that that's that's your story. It's just crazy. That's the yeah. cover. Number two, by the way, so far, again, like completely anecdotal, just me using my eyeballs. Peru. Peru. They're yeah. everywhere here. They are stoked. They have been, I mean, and for them, they've been saving their money, right? I mean, they've, I mean, no disrespect, but it's been 30 years, right? So, so they, they have, they have waited for this and they are making the most of it. There are a ton of Peruvians here, um, but still more Mexicans and, and Chicharito's right. If this, if they, if Infantino puts the World Cup on Mars, it's going to be all Mexicans. Um, it's really remarkable. Today at the grocery store, I was buying some things and the guy in front of me in line was a Peru fan. Uh, who was carrying a giant stuffed llama? That is a great prop. I almost took a picture of it, but I was I was busy like. That's with really stuff. really cool. You Very know? cool, dude. Let's end on the llama. Let's end on the llama. This has been good. Let's do it again tomorrow. Every day, daily. That's the definition. Bye. Buying tickets can be complicated and confusing. But there is a better way to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event, whether you're searching for a last-minute deal, planning a night out with friends, or need to find the perfect gift. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. 
I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere, and just with a few taps, I can instantly find seats. SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. SeatGeek saves you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. And to get you the most bang for your buck, SeatGeek grades every ticket based on value to help you immediately identify the best seats that fit your budget. Plus, every purchase is fully guaranteed so you can shop for tickets on SeatGeek with confidence. Make SeatGeek your go-to app for finding the best deals on every type of ticket, from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. Best of all, my listeners get $20 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code GRANT today. That's promo code GRANT for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Big thanks to Brian Strauss. Next up is my interview with Lothar Mateus. Our guest today is one of the greatest soccer players of all time. Lothar Mateus has had an amazing career as a player, played in five World Cups, won the 1990 World Cup. He's here with me here in New York. Uh, He's going to be working for Fox Sports Television, among other places, uh, during the World Cup. And he's here in New York right now, actually, for a UN event involving the Bundesliga. Lothar, thanks so much for joining me. Uh, Thank you for the invitation. Great to have you join me today. First off, I just want to ask if you could explain what it is that you're doing here in New York with the UN and the Bundesliga. We present the Bundesliga, and uh, we had an invitation. We come here with a couple of uh, Bundesliga legends, but this don't mean only Germans, because the Bundesliga is an international championship, and uh, not only now, it's the same in the past, and we have a player who played in the Bundesliga from South Korea. We have players here from Brazil, from Mexico, and uh, sure from Germany too, and uh, from New Zealand, another player. And we have six legends. They know this player in Germany very well. They write the history of the Bundesliga. Uh, and uh, I think this is a it's a it's a it's a nice event to be here with the legend of uh, of uh, of the German Bundesliga because uh, without them the Bundesliga cannot be so attractive. It's not so f- famous because when you see we have a player from New Zealand. New Zealand is not a soccer country, but uh, this guy is uh, is a hero in New Zealand and he was a great player in the Bundesliga and he come to to New York to present with me with another legend the German. Soccer. Okay, very cool. I, in terms of the Bundesliga, a lot of the best young American players from here today are going to the Bundesliga to play. And it seems like the Bundesliga may be different from England or some of the other top European leagues where young players get a chance to play, including young American players. Why is the Bundesliga different? Uh, each uh, country has different uh, soccer and the Bundesliga is uh, planning a lot with uh, young talents, not only from Germany. We have uh, uh, each club uh, has an academy and uh, for this we are very good with the national team because we build the player in the young age to give them the chance to come faster in the Bundesliga and uh, sure when a young player is uh, 
ready to come to Germany. We are always welcome. And uh, we are talking about Pulisic. He's a soccer player of the year in the in US. He's a great player. He's a fast player. He can make the difference. He has a good technique. He has a good mentality. And I'm sure he will help the US soccer to come maybe in four years to the next World Cup because <laughs> you're not qualified now. And we are happy we have him in our championship because it's the same good for the brand to have a player like him in, in Germany and he's playing in a very good team by Borussia Dortmund. It's normally the second best team in Germany uh, with the highest uh, number of, uh, of the spectators. Uh, 80,000 people every weekend in the stadium. It's, it's an amazing club and I think he's very happy in Germany and I think it's good for him. He's playing in Germany and he learned a lot from the German. Different maybe than for here in America, different than in England and Italy. But later maybe he's uh, leaving the German Bundesliga and it's maybe going to some bigger club but now in this moment I think the Bundesliga is good for him and especially Borussia Dortmund who uh, who who plan with the young players uh, they have a lot of young players and I mm -hmm. think this is a team who can make great results in the future so we all know about Bayern Munich here in the United States and we've learned a lot about the other Bundesliga clubs in recent years especially with some young Americans going to Schalke and Dortmund and Hamburg unfortunately Hamburg won't be in the in the league next year um, but what what do you think is the next step for the Bundesliga internationally in in its growth what what comes next in its no, future I have to tell the truth in the last two years we was not uh, satisfied with the results in the international competition Champions League Europe League we had uh, many clubs who was going out too early and this we have to change we have to come uh, stronger and more prepared in this competition with uh, more more passion sometimes I miss a little bit the passion in this time because we make the daily job Bundesliga but we forget we present the Bundesliga and the uh, clubs understand it very well and I'm sure in the next years this will look much more better and uh, especially now in this year the best clubs from Germany qualificate for the next year for the international competition in the last two years we had a lot of surprise teams who was not ready maybe like Cologne like Berlin like uh, Freiburg they was not ready with the, the, the team and with the quality to make in the highest level of competition in the international uh, international competition and uh, now we had uh, the first six I think this first six clubs who qualificate for the next international competition in the next season. They are really the best clubs with the best players and for this I am sure we make better results in the next uh, years than in the last two years before. We're already getting excited for the World Cup uh, coming soon in Russia. You'll be working on US television for Fox Sports. Germany is a team that is the defending champion. Uh, Germany is the team that most people seem to be picking to win again. And I want to know from you how you feel about this Germany team. First, I have to tell it's very difficult to, uh, difficult to do it again. This was only doing uh, the last time uh, Brazil in the f in the 60s, beginning of the 60s, 58 in Sweden and 62 in Chile. They won two titles in a row and later always uh, not more than uh, one title and uh, nobody can repeat the result. And uh, But Germany has a good team. Generally, Germany is a tournament team. Mostly they go minimum to the semi-final, can go to the final, but they are always under the top four. And I think this is the same, something what we will do now in Russia. Uh, it depends sometime, but I think the quality of the team is, uh, is ready with to make it again. But uh, World Cup is very difficult. Not only to qualify for the World Cup, 
especially when you like to win the World Cup and uh, you have six, seven weeks together with the team and small things can make the difference. Only one bad day can kick you out from the tournament and uh, I think what is our our big plus, what we have in Germany, we are independent of one player. Not like Portugal with Ronaldo, not like Argentina with Messi or maybe Brazil with Neymar. Germany has a lot of good players and each position we have two, three players who are playing on the same level. It start by the goalkeeper, it's finishing by the uh, by the strikers, and uh, I think this is a big plus what we have in Germany against another teams who are playing in the World Cup too. But I know nobody will give us a present, nobody will give up the game, and uh, we have big concurrent in uh, in uh, with another nations like Brazil, like Argentina, like uh, Spain. Spain is coming very well back with a new generation, not anymore the Iniestas and Xavi. Iniesta will play, but not he's not playing anymore on the highest level. We have very good young players. The French team is very good with the young talents and uh, you have always two, three teams who will surprise. This is a tough World Cup and I accept very good games and I wait a couple of surprises. I was talking this week with people about Real Madrid, which just won its third straight Champions League title against Liverpool this time. And we were talking about Real Madrid seems to have this this mentality that they may not always be the best team on the day or weren't even the best team in Spain this year, but there's something in the mentality of the team, the history inside that team. And I think Germany on the national team level seems to have something similar. Absolutely. In that mentality that they just know how to win. Could you describe what that is, that yeah. mentality? I cannot explain you exactly, but uh, you are completely right. It's something similar. Real Madrid is a team who can win always the Champions League. Their focus for the Champions League. When you saw their season, there was 18 points behind Barcelona in the in the in the in the championship. There was going out in the Spanish Cup against a team from the second division, and now they are the best team in Europe. And this means for me, when you are the best team in Europe, you will be the best team in the world. And uh, they have good players, but uh, there was more focus again to win this title. And not only the players, I had this feeling Sinit Zidane, the coach, too, because uh, he was uh, preparing the teams in the cup games uh, not uh, with the same motivation how they play, for example, in the Champions League. And I saw Real Madrid a couple of times live in the stadium. He's a fantastic coach, how he prepares the team with a system, with the young players, with the experienced player. He has a, had a lot of changes this year in the, in, the, in the Champions League, but he was doing always the right changes. And this is this what uh, showed me he's a great coach. Sure, he has Ramos, he has Ronaldo, he has Tony Gross, he has really, really best players in the world. And uh, but this is sometimes not so easy to motivate them the second time, the third time. But there was motivate, there was motivate to win again the Champions League title. And on the end, uh, it was the best team in this year in the Champions League, and for this, uh, they won it. Yeah, I, there are so many good players on the Germany team so many good players who won't even be at the world cup from germany if you were picking a starting 11 for germany Uh, who would it be in which system please in (laughs) in the system you would play if you were the coach okay this is the band of another team okay jockey Löw play mostly in the system four defender two number six three offender in the midfield and one striker it's a four two three one system okay and one goalkeeper when Manuel Neuer is ready, he's the best goalkeeper in the world. 
He is the captain of the German national team. He's the captain of Bayern Munich. He is for me the number one. It's not sure he can get ready till the opening game for Germany, but he will be part of the team. And when we don't have Manuel Neuer ready, then we have Der Steg and he's a goalkeeper from Barcelona. Sounds the same, very good. <laughs> <laughs> okay, he's the number one, one of these two. I think Manuel Neuer will uh, be ready. When not, we have Der Steg. And then on the right side, uh, Josu Kimmich from Bayern Munich, uh, excellent player. Uh, before Philipp Lahm, the captain uh, from the German national team, he finished his career. And I think with Kimmich, we have really a very good one who can play in this position on a similar level. Mm -hmm. This means Kimmich on the right, in the center, Boateng and Hummels. This means in the defense, I have the Bayern Munich players. And on the left side is a player who is not uh, so famous. He's playing in Cologne. His name is Jonas Hector. Mm -hmm. uh, he make a good job. He's not an excellent, excellent player, but he, you, you can trust him. He's doing his job very well. And when the team is uh, in function, player like him, he gives the team the same uh, a good uh, atmosphere, good spirit and, uh, and a good speed from the left side. He's tactically very good. He, he has a feeling for the situation and uh, for this he has to play on the left. Then in the midfield, Kedira from Juventus Turin and Toni Kroos from, uh, from, uh, from Real Madrid. I think it's, uh, it's a good uh, mix between two because Kedira is playing a little bit more on the right and a little bit more defense. Toni Kroos uh, is a little bit more offense and is playing more from the left side. I think this is a good, uh, good uh, team on the number six, good couple. And then it's a big problem because we have a lot of options. Four offenders, three and one striker. Striker, when we need, when we have space against another team, it's Timo Werner with his speed. Yeah. When we have to play in the box, we need Mario Gomez. He's physically stronger, taller, more experienced. But I think Jogi Löw and me too, we will play with uh, Timo Werner from RB Leipzig. And... Uh, Then we have three offenders in the midfield. On the right side, I think can play Thomas Müller, but this is not his favorite position. And this can be the problem for Jogi Löw because we have Marco Reus, we have Thomas Müller, we have Leroy Sane from Man City, we have uh, Traxler from Paris Saint-Germain, we have Julian Brandt, and we have Mustard Özil from, uh, from Arsenal. Only with the, we have players who play in the best clubs in the world. I'm shaking my but head. But right I now. think when I speak about the position, I will play with uh, Marco Reus on the left from Borussia Dortmund. Mm -hmm. I will play with, uh, with uh, Leroy Sane on the right. And I like to play with Müller in the middle. This means uh, Özil is not in my first 11 Ooh. because Müller is for me a player who is not anymore playing on the wing. He yeah. played before on the wing. He liked to play more in the center, like a second striker. And this means we can make more pressure, in the, in the, we come more and more to the box. Özil is a playmaker, yeah, but you will, you will need Özil to do it a tournament. Yeah? He's a great player. But I prefer speed on the wing yeah. and a second striker, uh, second striker behind Timo Werner, who is a number nine, somebody who is playing around him. How is playing Thomas Müller in Bayern Munich with Lewandowski? Uh, pretty good. But we have another option. And, uh, <laughs> this is nice it's nice for the coach. It's nice for the coach when you have uh, 10, 11 players who are sitting next to you and you have quality. Then you look right or left where sitting the players and say, hey, 
Now we have to play more offense. We have to play more defense. We need uh, more ball position. And it's coming Gündogan from uh, yeah. from Man City too. Yeah, he can play the same for Kedira, Goretzka. Sure. Uh, we have a lot of good players, really. And uh, for this, I trust uh, the team to make a good uh, play a good World Cup. But I cannot give the guarantee they will win the World Cup because I told you many reasons can be uh, the part for the result. Yeah, I, that was an amazing response. Thank you. I, while you were talking about all those different players, I was shaking my head just thinking about the term in, in the United States is embarrassment of riches uh, <laughs> when you have so many, so many good players. Now, from your experience in so many World Cups, from having won the World Cup, when you look at this World Cup for Germany, what is the biggest challenge to them, That the, your biggest concern that they need to watch out for to try and avoid a problem? I think we don't have a problem. First, we have a big favor. The coach is the last 12 years, the same coach, Jogi Löw. Mm -hmm. And each player who is playing now in this national team has to say thank you to Jogi Löw because without Jogi Löw, without the coach, they're not a national player. He invites the players and the players know it. And he is really correct with the player. He's, play he's talking face-to-face -face with the player mm -hmm. in each way. Correct, clean and fair. Mm -hmm. And I think the players know it. And for this, no, the biggest problem for a team in the World Cup is when the atmosphere in the team is not working well. Mm -hmm. uh, when you have players who are unhappy, not satisfied, talking too much with the media. Not everything what can disturb the atmosphere. When a player is doing something, Jogi Löw will send him home. Mm -hmm. And each player know it. And each player respect the, the, the to coach and each player respect the rules who the coach give before the tournament. Someday I, I hope to do a book where I interview all of the surviving captains of teams that have won a World Cup. So you'll, you'll, you'll hear from me at some point about that. But there's, you know, several of those captains are still alive, you know, going all the way back to, I think, 1962's World Cup winners, I think. Um, when you are a captain of a World Cup winning team, What sort of things do you learn from that experience about what is the most important thing about being a captain? A captain is this guy who has contact between the coach and the team. Yeah, and he has to work together with everybody. And uh, the same, the captain is... Uh, we have not only one captain in the team. Now maybe some player like uh, Manuel Neuer is a captain. Yeah, but five, six player help him a lot. How was with me 1990 in Italy? I was a captain for everybody. I get the cup, but when I don't have Andreas Bremen next to me or Rudi Völler or Pierre Litbarski or Klaus Augendaler, we was a team. And when we had a problem, we was cleaning the problems. We didn't need a coach. We was cleaning the problem between the players. Hmm. And uh, you, like a captain, need help from your colleagues. And especially from these colleagues who are on the same level like you. Mm -hmm. And uh, this was for me a amazing help uh, from my colleagues who has the same experience, who was playing with me many times in the World Cup, in the European Championship, or the same in the club teams. We know from each other everything. And we was doing everything to win the title. And when somebody from the player who was not so satisfied because he didn't play it maybe or uh, didn't have the discipline we was talking with him this has not to do the uh, the coach this was doing the group of head uh, main players mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. interesting 
I, this is fascinating. Thank you. Uh, in terms of the United States, you used to live here in New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, you come back to New York every once in a while, Los mm-hmm. Angeles. Uh, when you see where the sport of football is in the United States today, what do you think, and how how does the United States take the next step in our development? Okay, first I have to say I follow the U.S. soccer uh, in Eurosport in Germany. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we can Stay see the games. Yes, and I think uh, they play a much more higher level than 18 years ago when I played here in New York. Uh, the change a lot like in uh, Europe too more money better players m- better better coaches uh, better academies and and and, and I think uh, soccer will never be the sport number one in uh, in US because uh, you have uh, history from another sport but uh, I feel more and more the people love soccer here the people go to the stadium they make a really good atmosphere and sure they bring always uh, great players from Europe to to US to have a face for the soccer like Ibrahimovic like uh, like uh, Schweinsteiger they are players and uh, they get the support and I think this makes the same US soccer interest uh, uh, For for the young generation, they like to be Ibrahimovic. They like to be uh, play like uh, Bastian Schweinsteiger, and I think this is uh, the right way. What you have to do, and you have a lot of money. You have investors here. You have a stadium. You have the infrastructure. I think uh, it's everything prepared to to make it better and better. But uh, sure, you cannot accept from the beginning. We play now like Brazil. We play like Germany, like Italy. It's a different history about the soccer. And uh, for this uh, American, um, it's beautiful now to, that don't play the World Cup because a World Cup is always a motivation for a young generation. Yes, then when you play a World Cup, then you will be like their heroes. Yes, you this motivate you, and this is beautiful for US after long time. They are not going to the World Cup to Russia now in in two weeks. So you're going to be working for Fox Sports for the in the US during the World Cup. That's what I'm doing too, actually. Uh, when you're in the studio working with other former professionals, mm-hmm. uh, whether it's uh, Ian Wright, Alexi Lalas, uh, you know, different you know, former players. Do you approach that the same way you would approach a game in terms of wanting to compete, or is it a different approach when you do television? Uh, it's completely different. You, you have to prepare in another way. And uh, sure, I'm happy to to work together with uh, this uh, ex-colleagues. Yeah. You know, we was playing against each other. We had a lot of fun. You're talking about some game, maybe what was 25 years ago, and you played against each other. It's always nice to play about uh, talk about the history. But in another way, we are interested about the football, uh, soccer. Always soccer here in America. Other one's no fine. Yes. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, we are talking about the soccer, and we love to talk about this for this we are there and uh, soccer is our life is our love is our passion and uh, it's always nice to have uh, nice uh, nice conversation uh, communication in this way well i'm looking forward to seeing you more often in russia thanks so much for joining me Lothar Mateus. thank you thanks for listening to the planet football world cup daily podcast i'd like to thank lothar Mateus and brian strauss as well as everyone at cadence 13 and sports illustrated who supports this podcast please if you like the pod Tell your friends, subscribe, like, and review it on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. It really does help the cause if you do, and we'll see you tomorrow. Do you know about the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one daily sports podcast network? 
Locked On has a daily podcast on every NBA and NFL team, plus a growing lineup of college and MLB teams. You get a daily bite-sized podcast giving you the latest on your team from the local experts. Lakers fans, search Locked On Lakers. Cowboys fans, search Locked On Cowboys. Just search Locked On, your favorite team, on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, or tell your smart speaker to play podcast Locked On, your favorite team. Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.